Welcome to Arate Today, the place where personal development meets personal responsibility and you are encouraged to reach your highest human potential. Jen Pipe is a multi-passionate entrepreneur and lifelong learner on a mission to positively impact the world through the powerful combination of community and creativity. Her main goal is to be better each day than she was the day before, and she is sharing her knowledge so you can do the same. So don't wait for things to happen. Go out and make them happen. It's time for you to be the intentional creator of your life with your butt in the driver's seat and your foot on the gas. Now, buckle your seatbelts because we're about to go for one hell of a ride. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you today? This is Jen Pipe, and it feels really good to be back on the mic after a great weekend away with my husband. Um, sometimes it's nice to just get away and recharge and reconnect and um, you know, for people with kids, have an actual uninterrupted conversation. I'm sure some of you know what that's all about. So today's April 1st. I'm recording this on April 1st. Um, quick public service announcement. If this does post to iTunes today and you're hearing it today, um, you know, I know this is a day for all the pranksters, but if you're partaking in some hijinks or some jokes at someone else's expense, you know, tread lightly, participate responsibly. There's a really fine line between being funny and being hurtful and, um, you know, really doing something that's damaging to someone else at their expense. So, you know, practice with uh, integrity, I guess, is all I'm asking. Um, and then today, you know, what we're going to be talking about is really no joke. Um, and it's something that's been on my mind for a while. And I had to sit with it before I could actually talk about it because I was trying to figure out why it was sticking with me so much. Um, and then final reminder before we launch in is just want to let you know that today is the start of the second quarter of 2014. I'm not really sure where the first three months have gone, but this is a great time to take stock of where you are both personally and professionally um, and either make the decision to stay on course or you can course correct if what you're doing is not effective. So we all have that power. This is a great time to reevaluate. What we're going to be talking about today on this podcast is whether or not women can be effective negotiators. And, um, you know, do we get what we want when we want it as women? Or are we giving up too much of our power at the outset and then always behind the eight ball and really never getting what we truly desire? So the reason for this podcast is that I read an article in last month's issue of Flow Magazine and if you've never heard of Flow Magazine, it's an incredible, incredible publication for creatives. Um, it comes from Europe, so sometimes it's hard to get in the States, but um, you know, it is just chock full of goodness. It's visually inspiring. It gives you advice for how to live mindfully. Um, there's lots of things that you can use in there if you're a crafter. So um, I love it, and I devour it, and you know, I can say not enough good things about that magazine. Um, and typically when I'm reading articles, you know, I'll, I'll read them, I'll take what I need from them and then I forget about them. But an article I read in this month's issue, um, it really stayed with me and I found myself not only analyzing it, but I was a little bit aggravated by it. I have to be honest. And, you know, I would read it and then I'd put the magazine away and then I'd find myself thinking about it. So I'd go back and I'd reread the article and um, this has stayed with me for the better part of, of almost a month. And initially, you know, I was tempted to dismiss it. Um, I'm busy. You know, I, I just 
didn't know why this kept coming up, you know, <laughs> in my subconscious. Um, but as a personal development professional, I know that if something is eliciting a response in you like that, especially if it's a repetitive or, you know, some sort of passionate or agitated response, it's really time to do some digging and not dismiss it because the negative response or the thing that's sticking with you is always 100% about you and not about what you've read. So because I was, you know, just kept coming back to this article over and over again, I knew I had to figure out why this was eliciting such a strong response in me. So that's the purpose for this podcast today. I've done the digging um, and I want to report back out to you and see if, if maybe you have some opinions on this subject too, especially as a woman. So as I'm reading the article, you know, it started out asking whether or not you always lose in your relationship negotiations. And relationship negotiations, I guess, could be defined as pr predominantly with a spouse um, or a significant other, but then also in business and um, in your personal interactions, too. And then the article went on to say that um, women typically feel selfish when they're putting their cards on the table, and we're too hesitant to say exactly what we want. Um, because we come from an empathetic and heartfelt we frame of mind, the article pointed out that women often lose to the more domineering and unapologetic me frame of mind of our male counterparts. And because we're, as women, viewing our relationships as partnerships, we're quick, quick to scale back on our wants and our needs and our desires for the, you know, because we're doing that for the greater good of the relationship. So coming from that we frame of mind, we want the relationship to be okay much more than we ourselves want to be okay. So the next paragraph of the article, it, it goes on and it was titled, The Woman Gets the Short Straw. And I think this is where I really started to be kind of like feisty about the whole thing. And not for any other reason than I knew that this article, as I was reading it, was right on the money, specifically as it pertained to me when I was reading it. Um, and as a woman, it, it really pissed me off. So, you know, I started thinking about things like, why aren't they teaching negotiation strategies in middle school for girls? You know, a skill that they can carry on with them through their life instead of this new math that they're teaching, you know, maybe that would be more beneficial. And, you know, where's the class called Stay True to Yourself 101? You know, why are we as women just hardwired to give up and give in all the time? And then I started thinking about, you know, why we can't clearly and boldly and concisely and unapologetically state our wishes up front. You know, and I, I'm pondering, is it because we're too afraid of being labeled a bitch? Are we too afraid of being manipulative or being perceived to be manipulative? You know, and are we still defining ourselves and allowing ourselves individually to be defined by centuries of oppression and gender inequality? And finally, are we letting that impact the way that we go after what we want in the boardroom and in the bedroom? So I sat with this for a while and I did some substantial soul searching around this subject. And like I said, I've reread this article numerous times. It's sitting right next to me on my desk now. And I pondered and I perplexed over it. And, you know, I was thinking, is this applicable to me? You know, I'm clear, right? In my negotiations and my communications, 
And I'm more of a me thinker than a we thinker, aren't I? And my needs have always been met in my relationships, haven't they? But then the shocking answer bubbled to the top. And then I discovered that the reason why I was so agitated in the first place was no. No, my needs always haven't been met. And quite frequently, they're not met. And I make myself be okay with that for, like I said before, the greater good. Because I am, at my core, a we thinker. I'm a people pleaser. I'm a people person. I value relationships. And what I discovered in reading this article is sometimes I get caught in a place where I'm valuing my relationships more than I'm valuing myself. Um, You know, before I get into any additional specifics about this, I just want to preface this by saying that I have a 100% commitment to accepting total responsibility for my life. So that commitment is in full effect during this podcast. I am not placing blame. I'm not in any way looking to put this off on someone else. Um, I'm just merely sharing some realizations in the hopes that it will help you and really maybe help you to dig deeper and think a little bit more um, intentionally about what's going on in your life. So, you know, what I learned in all of this soul searching and digging and, you know, this post article reflection that I was doing, it was that I... I pretty simply suck at negotiation and there's a pretty good chance that other women like me do too. Um, and I probably know countless, but we've never had a conversation around that. So this is my opportunity to open up the dialogue and to help us get better collectively at something that we might be lacking in. Um, the reason that this article struck such a nerve with me is that I have become acutely aware of the fact that I have been compromising some of my life away. And, you know, this is where it started to get really eye-opening for me. Um, I've discovered that I've made lots of sacrifices for the simple sake of keeping the peace. You know, that goes back to with my sibling, and that goes, you know, with my parents growing up, and then it was with boyfriends Um, And then it was with friends, you know, either new friends or friends I've had for decades. And then it carried over into my employment history. And then I was noticing that I've had these habits in my marriage. And, you know, a perfect example of this would be, and again, I share this not for the sake of placing blame. I'm accepting 100% responsibility, but it's a realization and realizations can be very important. So let's flash back, okay? So we're going to flash back about almost 20 years. And, you know, I get engaged, right? And I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm so happy. I'm so in love. And, you know, I'm at that stage, right, where a lot of girls get to where you've dreamt of this your whole life, right? And you have your perfect dream wedding envisioned so crystal clear in your mind. And for me... That dream wedding didn't involve a big Cinderella dress and a ballroom and a a band. My perfect wedding, um, which was in line with who I was for as long as I can remember, was supposed to occur on a beach, right? And at that beach, I was supposed to be in this beautiful, simple sundress that showed off my tan. um, And I was supposed to be barefoot with my feet in the sand And, you know, in my heart and in my head, what I envisioned was, you know, there'd be just close knit group of family and friends there 
to wish us well and to see us on this next phase of our journey, um, we'd have a justice of the peace. And then we'd have this really cool, like picnicy reception with a bonfire and sparklers and people comfortable and at ease and relaxed. And I'm a pretty laid back person. So that was my dream wedding. You know, I wanted like a, a boom box on the beach, which now would be probably like a beats pill on the beach, just playing my favorite music and have it be uplifting and sunsets. Right. And then I started sharing that vision with my husband, right? And, or my fiance at the time and his family. And I was initially met with some indignation, right? And, and to be quite frank with you, some guilt, they were Catholic. Um, I am spiritually independent. So we had a difference of opinion as to where a proper wedding should take place. Um, and for them, from their perspective, a beach wedding under the sun and the stars it may have suited me just fine, but it wasn't adequate for them or for their son. So in their viewpoint, their son not only needed to, but must get married in the church, right? Because a proper wedding, if you're Catholic, needs to be done by a priest in a house of God, right? And then it was, I was met with questions like, you know, what would his grandmother think, right? And, you know, the vows weren't valid unless given by a priest. And, you know, that's where weddings take place traditionally and blah, 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 blah. So just as this article that I read predicted, I compromised, right? I caved, I kept the peace, I sacrificed for the greater good of my new marriage and for the greater good of, you know, my relationship or what I thought my relationship with my in-laws had to be based on and the foundation that had to be built around that. And so I ended up without my beach wedding. I ended up in a church, right, with 170 people, um, a lot of whom we're not even really in contact with anymore. And we ended up $15,000 in the hole because my husband and I paid for our wedding ourselves. And, you know, we did that primarily, or I did that. He did it because it was what he knew. I did it to make other people happy, Right. I wanted to start off on the right foot. Um, you know, I wanted them to accept me and love me. And, you know, I really didn't feel in my heart of hearts that getting married was a time to think in terms of me, 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 even though, you know, a lot of women would say it's my day, you know, but for me, this was getting married and, and starting this journey together is and always should be about the we. Right. So that's the place that I was coming from. That's why I made the decisions I made back then. Um, now, in saying this, I had a phenomenal wedding. Um, my wedding was the probably happiest day of my life and the most favorite day of my life. And, you know, almost 20 years later, after attending countless other weddings of other people and being in other weddings, my wedding is still my favorite. Um and, you know, I may not have negotiated well for the ceremony, which ended up being in a church, but I made damn sure that that reception was going to have my stamp on it. And, you know, it was laid back and it was casual. And after the introductions, everyone was allowed to change. So we had, you know, guys in cocky shorts and polo shirts and all of my bridesmaids wore these amazing sarongs that my mother made and sandals and tank tops and 
you know, we danced and it was incredible. And, you know, for me, it was minus most of the traditional kerfuffle that would typically accompany a wedding um, reception. So, you know, there were flip-flops and Adirondack chairs, and the place that we were at was casual. It was a lodgy atmosphere, and we played games of horseshoes, and we sat out on the wraparound porch, and um, it was phenomenal. But preceding that, I had to suffer through pre-cana, and a priest who refused to call me by my name and chose instead to refer to me solely as the non-Catholic. Um, and I had to endure lots of tool and taffeta to get where I ultimately wanted to be. So again, I take 100% responsibility for that, and I'm not placing blame on my husband or my in-laws. And, you know, looking back, it, again, it was the happiest day of my life, and I may or may not at this point have done anything differently Um, and it's not something that I've thought about and it's not something that I'm resentful about, but now I'm aware and I can realize that it's an area where I can make some improvements or modifications moving forward. So, you know, what I've come to believe and what I want to share with you today is that I think compromising every once in a while is a good thing. And I think it can be a tremendously healthy thing because we can't walk around in this world just being me, me, me all the time, and I have to get my way at the expense of everything else. However, on the flip side of that, I don't think that women should be in a position or should make it a habit to lose themselves and to lose their desires and their wants and their wishes for the sake of the relationship. But yet we often do. The article also talks about how women should be more self-centered in their negotiations, right? And be okay with the possibility of an impasse. Because sometimes if you want something and the person you're negotiating with doesn't want something, there's going to be an impasse. There's going to be a time where you can't come to a compromise. Um, And if I had pushed for that beach wedding, that probably would have been the case with my wedding day. There probably would have been an impasse for a while where my in-laws were pushing for the church and I was pushing for something that I had visualized in my head the majority of my life. So, you know, up until for me personally, up until five to seven years ago, the idea of an impasse in a relationship or any kind of strife would make me hugely uncomfortable. And I like to avoid conflict. I typically avoid it at all costs. Um, but if I'm in it, I can get into it really good, but I try not to because it's not where my heart is. It's not where my values lie. Um, you know, and, and for me, I'm always thinking like, keep the peace, Jen, right? It's not that important, Jen. Don't be so selfish, Jen. There's other people here, you know, and that's the internal dialogue that often leads me to settle for less than in a number of instances, you know, settling for less than I want, settling for less than I need, and sometimes even settling for less than I deserve. So where I've gotten much better, you know, because I'm taking this conscious journey um, through personal development and through just complete awareness, I've still not mastered that art of negotiation. And I definitely don't get my needs met 100% of the time. Um, But there's been progress, right? And now there's also an additional awareness around this topic. And that's a really, really good thing. So, you know, another example, shortly after getting married, we're looking for houses, right? That's the other major life decision that typically comes around the time you get married. 
And, you know, this is another time where I realized that I compromised myself out of my ultimate desires, right? And I did that for the greater good. Again, the greater good of the marriage, the greater good of when we have kids someday. And, you know, my heart is and has always been by the ocean, right? It is the place that makes the most sense to me. It is the place that I am most at peace. It's where I'm most creative um, and alive. And I know that I won't feel completely whole until I can smell the salt air from my kitchen window, right? So um, this is just another instance where I sacrificed, right? We ended up in the suburbs, not near the ocean. We were giving, you know, we didn't want to commute a long distance to our jobs. At that point, we didn't want to find new jobs. Um, We were worried about school systems for our kids, you know, all of the stuff that you factor in. And so I tabled my desire to be by the beach. I can do it later, right? There's always tomorrow, another day, our next house will be by the beach. So this ended up being another instance where I never could have expected, and this is a really key point, so please, 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 when you're thinking about this, keep this in mind, right? I never could have expected a different outcome in that situation because I didn't let my desires be known up front, right? I placed my husband in an unfair position because I never said when we were looking at houses in the burbs, you know, dude, this just is not feeling good to me. My heart is not here. Sure, we have a great backyard, but you know what? I'd rather be on seven miles of uninterrupted oceanfront, you know? Um, So he didn't know that then, right? Um, And I'm happy laying down the roots where we've landed. And my kids are thrilled. And we live in a great neighborhood. And um, that's all well and good. But I've started to get that itch since then, right? And this is long before I even read this article in that magazine. But just the knowing, the going to the beach and feeling happy and the leaving and feeling sad, right? So we've had conversations around this since then. And I think it's just a well-established fact that our next piece of property is going to be by the beach. Um, I don't care if it's a shack, but I just want that experience. And so it's a dream that I absolutely will realize while I have the ability to enjoy it. You know, so that's something that we know now we can deal with it, but I did compromise up front. So, I mean, in talking, I'm curious, is any of this resonating with you up to this point? You know, have you ever sacrificed something to save face? And have you ever settled for less than, you know, like less money or less time or less than you ever expected in a relationship? If you have and if you do, what can we do about this as women, right? How can we hone those negotiation skills and get better and have a more even playing field? So some things that I've given some consideration to. First is, I think we need to really start by getting clear, right? We need to get clear about our needs and wants and desires, right? We need to get clear about what those things are outside of and exclusive of our other roles, right? Our roles as wife and mother and employee, right? We don't need to get clear on the greater good needs, But we need to start getting clear in those singular self-satisfying needs that we all have, but sometimes we squash them down and we don't let them be felt. We also need to pad our desires a little bit, right? Um, It's time to start asking for more than we want 
so that in the negotiation phase, we can afford to give something away, right? So when you're in talking to your boss and you're asking for a raise and you want more money, if you know you only need an extra $3,000, why not ask for five or six so that there's room to negotiate in that process? Because if you start out at your ultimate goal of three, you're more than likely never going to get that, right? Your boss isn't typically going to give you exactly what you want. There's going to be a negotiation there, and you're going to end up with maybe 1500 which is short of what you initially wanted. So we need to have more flexibility in our negotiating, right? We need to go for the house with more square footage so we can give some up but still be very comfortable where we live, right? We need to start insisting on our satisfaction in the bedroom if we're not currently doing that. Um, that for me, fortunately, is one area that I don't have a problem being um, insistent and upfront on. But it's an area of um, definite, you know, compromise where a lot of women are concerned, right? Um, you know, if you know that you need to get out and in order to feel better about yourself and your body and to be more at peace, you need three nights of yoga during the week, um, you know, ask for four, so you can negotiate back to three. Um, you know, you just need to have that wiggle room. Also, we need to get really clued in to our desires and the ways in which we can satisfy them. All right. For example, um, and, you know, again, I'm using me as an example because I think it's important um, to show that I understand and I'm not just talking for the sake of talking. I get it. So I love music. Right. Music has been such a huge part of my life. My parents were very big into music. We grew up with music, um, a very eclectic taste in music. And I absolutely love live music and I love going to concerts and and being in that environment, you know, and, and just hearing it that way. It brings me such tremendous joy. My husband hates concerts. Right. So does my desire for hearing live music mean I have to drag him along kicking and screaming or is just the sake of me being able to go and be there enough? So for me, just the being there is enough. I don't need to torture him to make a point. So this is another part of the negotiating. You need to know, are there alternatives, right? So are there other ways to get what you want without having the person have to adjust their value system to give it to you, right? So I know I love live music, but I also know that it's not something that my husband loves. And I also know that for our relationship, it's not something that we need to share together and we don't need to bond over that. So I have a great friend and I affectionately call him my concert husband and we go to tons of concerts together. You know, usually he's the first person I call or he knows something is coming up that I would love to hear and he calls me um, or I go with other groups of friends or I go with my mom and that works out really well for both of us. It's a win-win. The same with my husband in golf. He loves golf. I don't like golf. So he's never tried to make me like golf so that we can share that bond together, right? He goes to play golf with his friends and does something that makes him happy. And I find an alternate activity to do while he's gone that makes me happy. Quite often it's going to the beach, like I talked about. That's my happy place, right? So... Those are some other negotiating strategies that are really important and things that we need to keep in mind. We also need to focus on gratitude. So 
when you re- when you realize that you've made some mistakes, focus from a place of gratitude, right? So I didn't get my beach wedding, but I'm really grateful and I am really blessed to have the opportunity to be married to my best friend and my soulmate. And the strength of our marriage over the course of the past 20 years definitely outweighs the location of where we took our vows, right? So that's coming from a place of gratitude. You know, um, in my work, you know, there were times where I didn't get that raise or I got passed over for that promotion, but I was grateful for the flexible schedule that I worked because I had a greater work-life balance and that was important to me. So in many respects, that was priceless. Yes, the extra money or the promotion would have been great for my resume or for my bottom line, but having that work-life balance is priceless as far as I'm concerned. So coming from, again, a place of gratitude. Um, You know, gratitude does wonders for fostering feel-good emotions, and those help diminish your feelings of resentment. So if you're feeling resentment about some of your negotiations, try and flip that to a place of finding ways that you can be grateful, right? We also need to know when. And what I mean by that is if it's important, let's stop negotiating casually, right? If there's something that's a critical driving point for you, but you are casually mentioning it on the way out the door, the person that you're trying to negotiate with doesn't know the importance of what you're speaking about, right? So we need to know when to negotiate. We need to know what to negotiate about. And like Kenny Rogers says, sometimes we need to know when to hold them, but we also need to know when to fold them, right? You're still going to lose some, even if you become a master negotiator. So know yourself well enough to know, you know, what are my pencil negotiations that I can erase and be okay with? And which negotiations need to be etched in permanent indelible ink? Which ones am I totally inflexible on? Um, You know, another thing that we need to do, and I think this will probably be my last point in terms of, you know, suggestions for this is stop saying I don't care and stop saying no worries, right? So if you're given a choice, you should care and you should have worries, And all of those occasions are opportunities to develop your negotiation skills. So when someone says to you, where do you want to eat? Don't say, I don't care, because you probably do care. You probably don't feel like Mexican that day, and you're going to be unhappy if that's what they pick. So speak up. What movie do you want to see? Same thing. You probably have a preference. You probably don't want to see that Disney movie, and maybe you want to see that really great foreign film. So speak up. And then maybe you can negotiate and meet down in the middle if it's not getting what you're actually going for. You know, what do you want to do tonight? I don't care. Of course you care, you know, because maybe you're sick of sitting on the couch. Maybe you want to go out on the town. Maybe after dinner, you don't want to just sit down and watch reruns on TV. Maybe you want to go out for a walk and you would like your spouse to come with you. Speak up. Start using those everyday moments as practice for the bigger and rarer ones, right? You got to start using your voice and be unapologetic and just go for it. So what do you think about all this? You know, in hearing this, is it resonating with you? Is it eliciting a similar response? Do you agree? Do you disagree? When all of it was said and done, you know, despite my initial response to this article, I was truly grateful because it made me aware of an opportunity for growth in an area that I hadn't really given much consideration. This is something that was, wasn't on my radar screen 
And so as such, it was something I was never going to get better at, right? And I was just going to keep making the same mistakes and keep settling when deep down inside, I don't want to. I would love to hear your thoughts on this over on the blog. You know, do you have any major life situations that you wish you handled differently? Can you relate to any of the stories or examples I've given you today? So let's head over there. Keep the conversation going at genpipe.com. Click on the blog. There's always expanded show notes there that I, you know, put resources in and put some inspiration and quotes and recaps of this so you can pass it along in written form. Um, And another reminder, just don't forget, download these podcasts and leave a rating on iTunes. Um, My eight-week hiatus with iTunes where they promote the new and noteworthy podcast is up. So people actually have to either know where I live on iTunes and have it bookmarked or they need to search for me by name. So it would be great if you could pass this along, spread the word, share the love. And, um, you know, if you're finding this information valuable, be social with it. You know, I would really appreciate that. So I'm going to sign off for now. It's actually um, a really beautiful day here today. It's going to be in the 50s and sunny and the sun has not come out in days and days and it's been cold and gross. So I'm going to enjoy this day. So until next time, keep laughing, loving and learning. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Arete Today. As always, Jen has put together some engaging additional content in the show notes at genpipe.com. That's where the conversation will continue. So click on the blog, stay connected, subscribe, and most importantly, share. Until next time, keep laughing, loving, and learning. And we hope to see you in one of Jen's upcoming classes or workshops.